Hi, I'm Bethany, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy! Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Well, friends, May is National Foster Care Awareness Month, and I did not want this month to pass by without giving a little spotlight to foster care. Foster care is a pretty big passion in our family. We were licensed for four years, and although we are not currently serving as foster parents, it still continues to be a passion of mine, and something I hope that you'll learn a little more about today in this episode. My friend Julie Long was gracious enough to come on and be my guest on today's podcast episode. She's been a foster mom for quite a few years, and she has a lot of wisdom to share about her experiences. I really appreciated her personal take on how it has affected her family and some of the things that she's gained and the challenges that they faced in doing foster care. Whether you know a lot about foster care, a little bit about foster care, or somewhere in the middle, I think you'll really enjoy today's episode. So with that, let's jump into the conversation. Okay, let's talk about homesteading. Can you talk to me about your baby goats? Because I've been seeing a lot of them online. Oh, they're so adorable. Um, We actually got the goats pretty much just to have a lawnmower. (laughs) That was their purpose. We're not, you know, milking them or anything like that. That might happen at some point in time, but not yet. And it was the first time that I have ever had to like take care of baby animals. So this was our first experience with a pregnancy and um, the the goat going into labor. And then she actually wasn't taking care of one of the goats. And so we had to like, Oh no. Yeah. The little girl. And so we had to get her warm and get, you know, just clean her up and all of that. And so we tried bottle feeding and all that stuff. And so it was, it was a lot of, stress to be honest because I just felt obligation to <laughs> make sure these babies were go- going to make it and yeah but now they're two and a half weeks old and they are just adorable they run around and jump and hop and they just have a good time with each other so they're cute okay we actually thought about doing that for lawn mowing sake too does it work mm-hmm. so far we probably need more goats <laughs> <laughs> we've realized that they don't they they've taking care of a lot of the trees that are in the field. But um, as far as the grass and stuff, we probably need a few more, or maybe add a cow. We're probably going to add a cow at some point. So that will definitely help, I think. So back in the day, I heard this theory, and it sounds like it could be real, but probably it's not. I don't really know. But I heard that if you take a goat and you let it eat poison ivy, and then you drink the milk, you can, um, I guess, get immune to the effects of poison ivy. Do you think that's true? Is that huh. an old wives' tale? I don't know if that's true. Or not. It really, it wouldn't surprise me if it were true, but I don't know. I don't know. We haven't tested it, so <laughs> I'm not sure. They have probably eaten any poison ivy that's in there, though, because they literally will just demolish anything. <laughs> Well, good to know. If you ever test it, let me know. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay, well, do you want to take a minute and introduce yourself? Um, sure. I'm Julie Long. I'm 38 years old. I live in Western North Carolina. We have a property that we bought a couple years ago that we're completely remodeling and trying to to go more on the homesteading, uh, self-sustainability way of life. We are also a foster family, a licensed foster family. Um, we have two boys. One is from a previous marriage of mine, and one is a previous marriage of my husband's. So we are also a blended family. And um, I stay home with the boys, and I homeschool the younger one. Yeah, you're a busy woman. Try to be. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. So the thing I want to talk to you most about today is about foster fostering. Because as this podcast comes out, it will be in May, and May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. Yes. And so I didn't want that to pass by without having a good conversation. And you and I have bonded about this and talked about this many times. In fact, listeners, I think we actually met at a training, didn't we? We did. (laughs) We did. Yeah. And then we've known each other since then, but I think that's how we met. So I know everyone has their own unique reasons for becoming a foster parent, but can you share what led you on the journey into fostering? Well, it's probably a little bit of a unique story, um, and I won't go into like huge detail because that would take forever, but um, when I was younger, my half-brother and sister were actually in foster care, and my mom ended up adopting them, but... um, I was about 11 years old when that happened. And so before that, I didn't know anything about foster kids. I had never heard of foster kids. And of course, this was before social media and all that stuff, too. But um, I didn't know anything about it until then. And then I had that experience with it. And they were only in foster care a few months. But that kind of opened my eyes to it. And then years go by and I grow up and my husband and I get married and Uh, We decided not to have children together, but um, foster care just started, it was just on my mind a lot, kept popping up in my head, and um, we just saw commercial on TV for foster, fostering, I think it was North Carolina commercial, I don't even remember for sure, and he looks at me and says, maybe we should look into that, and I was just like, okay, so... We, that's what literally what led us to that point. And then it took about another year before we actually went to our first info meeting. Awesome. Yeah, that is a unique story. <laughs> I don't think that's, <laughs> that's probably not the story that leads most people in. So when you guys went to your first meeting and learned more about it, were you immediately like, let's do this? Or did you take more time to think about it? How did you come to the final decision? Because it's a big decision. It is. Or it was for us. Decision. Yes. And I think if you already have children too, um, and well, in my opinion, I think if you already have children too, you're even more cautious probably. Um, so before we went to that first meeting, I had been praying and praying and um, it just would, it just kept popping in my head. And I know that it was God. I know that that's what it was. And um So, you know, so then I told God, uh, just letting know that, um, you know, if something happens in the meeting and if it just doesn't 
sit well or, you know, then we're not going to do it and we'll know that it was, you know, not meant to be. It's always funny when you try to tell God stuff like that. And, <laughs> um, so anyway, we went to the meeting and they they gave us all these statistics and numbers and it was heartbreaking. And I was like, we have to do something. And my husband and I had already said to each other, you know, we're not going to in our minds or hearts like. Um, I don't want to say sacrifice, but like hurt our children. Right. Because of foster parenting. So we only have them certain amount of times a week or a month or whatever. So the first problem that we thought was going to be a problem was that the trainings were on like Mondays and Thursdays, I think. And it was like a six week time period or eight weeks. I can't remember what it was since so long, but, um, so we were like, well, that's just not going to work for us because our boys have scouts on Monday nights and we, we were in scouts. We were leaders in scouts and everything. And so we were like, well, that's it. We can't do it. And so then, and then the option was all day on Saturday for like six or eight weeks or something. And we were like, we only have them every other Saturday. We don't want to do that. We can't. We're not We're not going to do that. The trainers that were there, they called us like a couple days later, and we had pretty much expected to have to say no. And then they said, well, because my husband works in Charlotte, and it's like this long commute and all this, they're like, well, we'll work around it, and why don't we just set you up with almost like a one-on-one training Wow, through this book. And I don't know how many people they do that for. And honestly, I don't know if they like me. I've never heard of it. (laughs) They did it for us. And so I don't really know. Because, I mean, that was our deal breaker. I mean, it really was. And it might seem silly for a lot of people. But when you only have your kids half the time, you make choices around that. And so that was our, our border, our boundary. So then we, so, but it took us a lot longer to do our training. Um, so we weren't done in six or eight or however many weeks the train, the initial training is. It took us months to get it finished. And, but we finally did. And um, now I don't remember what the question was. About how you finally decided <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so it sounds like God just opened up a lot of doors for you, like special doors, really. Yes. I mean, he really, he really did. I mean, all of our excuses were not excuses. It didn't have to be an excuse. Because another one was, well, at the time, our our boys were um, 10 and 5. And I didn't want to foster a child that was going to be in the middle of their birth order or older. I didn't want them to be heard or anything like that. And I didn't know until we went to that first meeting that you can say no. If they call you, you can say no. You don't have to take the child. And um, you can even be specific and not take any child over a certain age. And so when we found that out, we were like, okay, well, there goes another thing. I mean, we we can get past this one, too. So, Okay, so you've done it for how many years? We've been licensed for six years. Okay. And what have been some of the challenges and some of the rewards of fostering? Um, hmm. The challenges for us 
are probably balancing it all. Just because we have a blended family already, we uh, really make our boys our priority when we have them. And so then we're including another child in that, which it's worked out. And um, But that's been, because it's our priority, that's probably our challenge. But also another challenge when you have children, you might not parent the foster children the way you do the biological children. Right. And um, especially, you know, when the child is a two, three, four-year-old, they're younger anyway, so you you are going to parent them differently than a 10-year-old, but you have rules you have to follow when you're a licensed foster parent, and we did special training for one of our children, which was completely different type of parenting than what I did, than what we had always done, and so sometimes our our boys would see us parenting this foster child in a different way and think, you know, it's not fair. Right. You let them do this or you didn't do this when they did this or, you know, whatever it might be. But because they're kids themselves and so they don't see the big picture at that age, especially mm-hmm. the, especially a younger child. They just they don't they don't understand so that was a challenge trying to figure out how to balance all the parenting. Right. And then, um, of course, the, there's always a challenge with behavior with the foster children. Um, they just have a, a different behavior typically than what uh, your children are going to have because they've, they've witnessed so much trauma in, in their little lives that they just react to everything. And Yeah, and they've... Gone through a lot of loss. Yeah. And just people staring at you (laughs) at baseball games, for example, when your uh, three-year-old is losing his mind and they don't know that he's a foster child. They don't know anything about the situation and that you feel judged. For me personally, that was always challenging because I don't like people judging me. So I understand. So it makes me feel horrible. But yeah. So and because and then even a lot of people, you know, they like to voice their opinions about how you should be taking care of that foster child. Mm -hmm. They don't know. They don't know the situations. And so. Right. So one of the interesting things about fostering, I think, is important for people to know that differs from adoption, because there are a lot of things that are in common that both of those things have in common is that you are supposed to be Mm co-parenting because hopefully the point is that the parents are going to be able to get the tools that they need to get their children back and be reunited. And so I'm wondering for you, because you've done fostering for a long time and I know you have had multiple children in your home, would you mind talking about the process of co-parenting and what that's been like for you? Sure. Um, I think that uh, if you're wanting to succeed because you want the child to have the life that the child's supposed to have with their parents, because that's the point, we aren't um, foster to adopt family. We are a foster family. We know going into it, we have to say goodbye and or that we will say goodbye. So you want to create the best environment, if at all in your control, that you can for the child. 
And so that's always what's on my mind. So I try to create a relationship with the mom or dad or whoever it is that um, is trying to reunite with the child. And I just start by, I mean, just being nice. I mean, that's what it pulls down to. You're just nice. You try to be respectful of the situation. I'm not their mom. I did not give birth to this child. I am taking care of this child, but I'm not their mom. And I have, and you know, you might have to tell yourself that a thousand times, but you're not their mom. And um, when you see them hugging their, their baby, their child, and you can see in a lot of the situations, there is love there. They just messed up. Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be. And maybe they're going to straighten up and do what's right. Or maybe they're not. You don't know. And that's not in your control. But you have to still try to do the best for um, the situation. So I just try to be respectful of the parent. Because if they see you as a threat, then it's not going to work. Right. So if you um, like... I'm trying to think of an example if, um, well, I think the, the point and i and a lot of what the trainings are about is how can you come alongside them and help them? Um, because as they're getting their tools, you are a piece of that for them. And even, um, for, for a dad, I went to a visit, which a lot of times the foster parents don't actually attend the visits. Um, I went to visit to co-parent because he literally had no idea how to take care of this baby. And he wants to take care of this baby, but he has no idea how to take care of this baby. Just as simple as putting a diaper on backwards and not knowing which, you know, how to hold the bottle right. And just so, you know, as moms, we see it as such simple things, but he had never had the experiences before with the baby. And so if I went in there and tried to make him feel inferior because he doesn't know this stuff, then he's not going to want to create a relationship with me. He's not going to want his child to have a relationship with me. If he doesn't like me, he doesn't want his child to. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so if if you want to successfully ever see that child again, once it leaves your house, you have to create a relationship with the parents. And it's in their best interest, too. Yes. For, for to see you guys getting along and to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure, it is. And, they, and, and then sometimes it might be a mom that you can look at and you can tell that um, she does not have it together yet. And you know she doesn't have it together yet. And maybe she's not even hardly working on it. And you know that she's not. Or, you know, whatever the situation may be. But she's still hugging that baby girl. As, you know, telling her how much she loves her because she does love her. But mm-hmm. you need to do the best you can to reassure the, the, the little girl after the visit that, you know, you're just kind of helping right now. Mm-hmm. And I've even, I've had a little boy ask me, who's going to be my mommy? And um, and I've just and I told him then I was just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But can I be your mommy for a little while? And he was like, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, it's just, but you know what? 
It's interesting that you say that because um, I think you can go to all the trainings in the world, but you're never prepared for questions like that. No, it's very not. difficult. Yeah. And it to was know what to say. Simple. Yeah. It was just a very, we were just riding down the road in the car and it literally came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. he was obviously sitting there thinking about it. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how has foster care affected your biological children? I recently asked, um, my older one, he's 18 now. And, um, he, he said that it really helped him learn how to take care of kids. First of all, because he can change a newborn baby's diaper or feed him a bottle or change some, put them in a new sleeper. And, um, he wouldn't have had that experience otherwise because, him and my son are five years apart, but, you know, it just is a different experience. And so he wouldn't have had that. And he's had to try to rock a baby when they're crying. And because whatever reason, I am I need his help for, you know, I'm cooking dinner or something. And my younger one, um, he really is more of the one that plays with them. Uh, because they're a little bit closer to his age, or they had been a little bit closer to his age. So he is usually more the playmate and he it's opened his eyes to not everybody's like me and not everybody has a lifestyle like me or things like that. And I think that that has really been beneficial and they have had their own firsthand experiences in it. And I think it's teaching them firsthand to take care of the least of these. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's what I think. And um, I hope that one day they're appreciative of it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you don't mind sharing this, because this is pretty intimate, I guess. But what is one of your favorite memories of fostering? Favorite? Well, One of my favorite memories is probably um, a birthday party we threw for a little girl that we literally had her three weeks, I think, maybe four, and it was her third birthday. Oh. And um, at that time, we didn't know what was going to happen with her situation. We had no idea. And I knew I needed, I wanted to just give her a party. So we went to the park and invited our friends and family. And she had, I mean, our friends and family just, and church family, I mean, they just showed out for her. I mean, got her, we, she had so much stuff and, um, the look on her face with the birthday cake and, and all of that, it was just, it was remarkable. And that, that one that one was probably up there for one of my favorite memories. That is sweet. It's really hard to choose just one, though, because, I mean, we've had babies and stuff. And ha- so how can you not have a wonderful memory with babies and you know, yeah. things like that? So, you know, but that one. And cause also, it was our first. She was our first. So that was our first experience with, you know, again, they don't talk about that in foster parent training. They don't say, well celebrate birthdays or don't celebrate birthdays or, you know, whatever. So we just did what we felt was right. Yeah. Her little I love that. Was wonderful. Um, 
So last year I had Leanne on this podcast to talk about her experiences. And one of the things we talked about was support systems. Mm -hmm. And I cannot over-exaggerate that enough. So I want to talk about it again because I really feel like having been a foster parent myself, (laughs) that if you do not have a good support system, it's going to be rough because every situation is a little bit different and they're usually hurried. Like there isn't usually a whole lot of time to... Mm-hmm. think through all the options and what might yeah. be happening and you don't really know who's about to come in your home and all that kind of stuff. Um, what kind of support systems have you had in place? What has been helpful and what are the things that they've helped you with? So, I mean, well, that birthday party was one of them, I guess. But. Oh yeah. Well, I think um, your support systems are the unsung heroes of foster care. Amen. Because, I mean, they just, you can't you can't do it unless you have a good support system and ours vary <clears throat> sorry ours seem to vary and it's kind of it kind of works out pretty well um between our family our friends our church family i mean they they all help in different ways and so it just we could i mean we literally couldn't have done it without having that and and what they do a lot of times is babysit. Mm-hmm. They'll babysit or um, give us clothes or or and or just like the birthday party. You know, they didn't. We signed up for foster parenting, and when we signed up for foster parenting, we really and truly did not realize the impact of us foster parenting what it would have on everybody that we knew, and that is. They didn't sign up for it. Right. They did. And so, but they willingly have come along our journey with us. And without our friends and family, we wouldn't have been as successful as we have been. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Are there any resources you'd recommend, like for somebody who's thinking about fostering or something that's been helpful for you? Could be a book, could be a website, could be any or none of the above. Um, truly talking to people. Yeah. Think, uh, when we started, I had two people in that year that we were waiting that we didn't go <laughs> to the first meeting. There were two families that were um, we met that year that were foster parents and I had not known any foster parents before that. But within that one year, I met two families and they told us the good, but they told us the bad also and the hard and, but also, you know, the good times. And so I, I think talking to other foster parents or adoptive parents is the best way to go. Because you can uh-huh. read, you can read articles all day long, but it's not quite the same personal as I think uh, talking to a human being is. I completely, a hundred percent agree, and I think that that continues after you're already fostering and adopting too. Having those people that you can, yes, call or talk to that you know get it, mm-hmm. that aren't going to judge you, but they have either already been there or they get what it's like to be there. Yeah. Well, even an one of um, our kids, one of our foster kids, his adoptive mom still, it's been years and she still messages me and j- because she knows I get it. 
Mm-hmm. She knows I've been there with him when this was happening or that was happening. And and I don't judge her. I don't because I know I get it. And so that's that's 100 percent that community and that support from other like minded people is what you definitely need. Yeah. Okay. And every podcast I like to ask, is there somebody who inspires you and who is it and why? I actually, um, I don't have like one person that inspires me, to be honest. I just, I take little bits and pieces from like every woman that I meet that just shows me this one little, one little spark that she does or that she has or something she says that just helps me. And so it just, it can be a homeschool mom. It can be a scout mom, somebody at church. I mean, just thousands of women that you meet in your lifetime that just accumulate to your inspiration that helps you keep going. You know what? I have never heard that answer before, but I love it. (laughs) I I think I kind of agree. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I just, I just don't, I've, I've thought about that. And I don't have one person or even two or three that can take that honor. It's just so many people. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I kind of skipped this while we're talking about people, Mm -hmm. I did not really talk about social workers at all, but what has your experience been like with the social workers that you've worked with? Speaking of inspirational. (laughs) Well, our social workers, um, have mostly been really good. I, I, I love our social worker out. See, in, in the foster care system, you have your own personal social worker and the children have their social worker. And so our social worker has been fabulous. I can be honest with her about my feelings about a situation or whatever the case may be. And she doesn't, I, I, I don't feel like she's, going to look down on me for something or anything like that. Like she's got your back. Right. Right. Yeah. She's very, she's a really good support system for us. And I've called her many times when I'm having a hard time and she's helped me, you know, yeah. with finding, finding me help that I might need or whatever it may be. And so, um, and I was going to talk earlier and I didn't even think about it and it just popped in my head. The support system. One thing that people need to do is take advantage of respite care. Uh-huh. And I don't think, and that's what we do with our friends and family, but the county also provides respite work, respite for the foster care kids. The um, licensed foster families can be respite. And I don't think enough people take advantage of that. Yeah. And I think it should really, really, really be, if you don't have a huge support system, you have got to take advantage of respite care. Um, Can I make another plug along with that? Yes. So our family is no longer fostering. We fostered, well, we were were licensed for about four years. And um, in that amount of time, we had a a few different cases, but I got really burned out pretty quickly because it's an emotional roller coaster, but also because I felt like I needed to do all the things so that I could co-parent correctly, so that I could be good for the social workers, that I could be the best for the baby. And I did not take advantage of all the services where they will pick children up and take them. So there I was with four children in the back of my van 
during visits, trying to keep them occupied for an hour, twice a week. It was exhausting. So I would also say there are so many services available to you as a foster parent. And although I think it's great every time you can be there for appointments, you do not have to be there for every single one. They have a lot of services available for that. So yes, that's very true. And I, along with respite, (laughs) um, you have to, because that's what happened to us our first year. We were saying yes all the time and yes to respite, yes to fostering, yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And it will burn you out. And my husband and I had several conversations and we didn't want, I didn't want to stop fostering. Mm -hmm. So then we decided, okay, we need to put boundaries and limits on this. So that's what we did. So now we have boundaries and limits and... If it does not work in those boundaries and limits, we do not do it. And that makes us better foster parents in the long run. That's right. So this uh, podcast has a lot to do with soul care. So I'm going to say, if you are going to be doing fostering, there is some soul care you got to (laughs) do for yourself, for your family. And then that makes you better for the children, too. And I think that's very wise. That is 100% true. So to end our time together, what is your favorite scripture? Do you have a specific passage that you like? Well, I pretty much, um, I have several that are like my top five or whatever, but really what I, in my opinion, what it boils down to is doing to others as you would have them doing to you. Mm -hmm. If we could just try that as a generation, as a world, (laughs) as America then a lot of things would be a lot different. And it's a, it's the verse it's you know, I've preached it to my boys since they could understand anything. Would you do that to him? Then don't do that. to Don't, you know, that's what I tell them all the time. Don't do it. If you wouldn't want him to do it back to you, don't do it to him and things like that. And I just feel like, you know, if you ever can put yourself in the shoes, of a mom or a dad or whoever that has lost her child to foster care and you can empathize with that person in some way, shape, or form, then you can be a better parent to their child while you're taking care of them. And you Mm -hmm. can be a friend to that person. And because you don't, you would want that if you were in their shoes. Yeah. That's what... I really try to live by that. I think we all should try to live by that one, one commandment. Yeah. And it kind of sums them all up, honestly, mm-hmm. besides the love of the Lord, your God with all your right. heart, soul and mind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that teaching that to your kids, because I remember when my oldest one was little, I turned that into a song. Like I just made it into a song one day and I started singing it and he'd be like, Oh no, mom. <laughs> So, yes, I completely agree with that. That's a good word. Is there anything else that you wanted to say that I didn't give you a chance to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It was really fun for you to come. I like to talk to all kinds of me. I love to talk to all kinds of people, but it's especially fun when it's real life friends. I know, right? (laughs) And we're not seeing each other in real life right now. So I know. I mean, we're seeing each other without makeup on, but nobody else can see that. So that's okay. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks.
Thanks again to Julie for being on today's podcast episode. Although we don't get to hang out in person right now, I so appreciated getting to catch up, talk over Skype, and I really, really appreciate your heart for foster care and for sharing some of your experiences and your wisdom with us today. I hope it inspires and encourages some of our listeners to go learn a little bit more about foster care and see if it's something that they are interested in doing. Not everybody is called to foster care or adoption, but remember there are a lot of other ways that you can help. If you happen to know somebody who's doing foster care, come alongside them and see how you can help with babysitting, meals, clothes, errands, you name it. They could appreciate anything that you have to offer. If you're interested in learning more about foster care and adoption, each county in the United States has their own social services department, and that is a great place to start. They have all kinds of resources, information about meetings. Go find the website for the county in your area and jump on in to learn more. Well, if something on today's podcast episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. Please comment under the show notes on today's podcast episode at our website, pauserenewnext.com. Or of course, you can join the conversation on PRN's Facebook page. You can follow Pause Renew Next on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can find and subscribe and listen to the podcast on almost any podcasting app, including, but not limited to, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc. I also want to let you know that you can find us on Pandora. You can just search PRN, Pause Renew Next, and it'll come up for you. You can go ahead and add it to your listening collection. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.